Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have Luke Stutters. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and we have a special guest, and that is... Yeah, hello, hello. My name is Yevgeny. I'm principal engineer at TopTel. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've seen ads for TopTel, and they've reached out to me a couple times about stuff. Don't you wish that Rails came with a component library that would plug in the widgets, charts, graphs, and other things you need to build a solid user interface? And wouldn't it be even better if it looked great and was easy to integrate? Well, I have great news, folks. I found it. Avo provides all these things along with authentication, advanced search, menu editors, grid views, and a ton more. Plus, there's an open source version that gives a ton of stuff for free. Just go to avo.cool, that's A-V-O dot C-O-O-L, to see what they offer and give it a try. I'm so excited to have an option that works out of the box, doing more than the basic CRUD operations, and I'm thrilled that I don't have to buy an admin theme and then convert their stuff to Rails views. This is built for Rails by a Rails developer, and it's awesome. Go check it out at avo.cool. Do you want to just uh, tell people a little bit more about who you are, what you do, why they might know who you are, things like that? Yeah, sure. So as I just said, I'm Evgeny. I'm from West Russia, Kaliningrad. Um, I'm a software engineer, mostly practicing Ruby for more than six years right now. And I'm working at Toptor for four years. Started as a backend engineer, then promoted to a senior one. And uh, a, bit, a little bit less than a year became a principal engineer. Very cool. And we brought you on today to talk about N plus one queries, right? Yeah, sure. One of my favorite topics. I know, right? Well, and it's funny because... When we talk about N plus one queries, usually people go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, eager loading, blah, blah, blah. But your article had a little more stuff to it than just that. And so I thought it might be good to kind of bring it up. That and sometimes newer developers haven't been exposed to the idea. So, yeah, could we just ask what what is an N plus one query? Yeah, sure. Putting it simple is the one of those issues when you are uh, loading your data inefficiently, when you actually can do it a much better way. Mm-hmm. So, for for an instance, you have an you have an object, a group of objects, and you want to preload to load some of the information for each of them. And instead of doing that one after another, you do it in batches. And some people may think that M plus one is only related to database querying, but actually it's not, right? It's a general problem that can be applied to any situation. For example, querying third-party service. Mm, yeah. Can you have like N plus one plus one queries where it's like, you know, you have the book and then you have the author and then you have the author's comments and then you have the comments replies, right? And, and N plus one all the way down and have like N plus one plus one plus one. Yeah, exactly. And this is when the issue actually is happening, especially in uh, Arctic, Re- Arctic Record, default or RAM of Rails, because mm-hmm. you might think that you get down some of those and, and you are in a good shape, but actually doing a follow-ups uh, on your features and etc. you are introducing more and you, you might just uh, not notice them until it's like, too late or your performance is really, really low. Right. So so if you've got an N plus two query, then the more things you have on the page, the longer and longer it takes to load, right? Exactly. So now uh, I, the way I, I spot N plus three queries is that I usually have the browser diagnostics open, like the Chrome debug tool down the bottom. And I look at the page load times and stuff, loads of data in, and then it kind of, I see the milliseconds creeping up and I think, oh dear, 
I've got an N plus four query. So how do you spot N plus five queries? Uh, I'm a little bit confused why you, for every sequential example. I'm making you, a terrible, uh, I'm making a terrible programming joke, actually. He's trying to be <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm mostly, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm mostly doing a backend job, but of course you, you might uh, notice some M plus one issues on your front end applications when you are doing uh, some unnecessary querying to your service, uh, to your servers. But on the back end, you usually use some tools like, if we are speaking about Ruby, right? So like Bullet, or any mm-hmm. other as such, to, to find those. Not all of them that efficient and might still miss some of them. So yeah, for that, what you basically do, you wrap your your queries with a good with good tests. And then you control over N plus one. You have some control over it. Gotcha. You, you so I think the, con- the Rails console, can't you? Yeah. Sorry, we can use Rails console for, to debug to spot some of N plus ones. That's when I see them. When I got the console open and you see the queries, you know, spinning past in multicolor. Then once you get into it, you can just kind of eyeball them and spot them as they come through. You might in some cases, in some simple cases. But unfortunately, in reality, it is, it's much harder because you actually N plus ones are being triggered very low down deep, uh, to, uh, into the stack. So for example, that you loaded some users and then you are doing like rendering many views or doing some other, other querying on the API side and everything is okay. But under the same condition, if the user, for example, is an admin, you also want to preload additional information for them. And that's when N plus one's happening. And to to repeat the same actions uh, in your console, it might be tricky, right? The stack is just too long, too deep. Right. Yep, that makes sense. So how do you track those down? How do you track those tricky ones down? Because I agree with Luke. Like most of the time, if I have an N plus one query and I'm watching the, the log, you know, kind of float past while I'm running my server, if I hit the action or, you know, do the active record thing, that triggers it right, I'll see it query for the parent object, and then I'll see it query for each of the child objects, and I'll go, oh, that's not what I want, and then I'll go fix it. But in other instances, yeah, if it, you know, if it's separated from that parent object query, or it has other stuff that's interspersed in the middle of it, it may not be as simple to see. And so in that case, yeah, how, how do I start finding those? Yeah, that that's a good question. I think there is no gold solution for any of those cases. All right, episode on. over. I quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what what my advice would be is to first of all use some generic tools like like one I already mentioned is Bullet to mm-hmm. spot one of those. And uh, next, what you do you you cover you your, your cases your services that loads data. Service objects, I mean, or whatever way you do. If it's REST API, you cover your API um, endpoints with uh, tests to to check that there are no that there is an expected amount of queries you do to the database, and mm-hmm. those queries are actually those that you expect. And in this case, it's also not that simple because you you need to make sure that your test environment uh, fulfilled properly. Because you might say that two users is enough to, to find if there is an N plus one. But actually, as I just said, you might have some specific conditions to load even more data. So you need to know what actually 
you will be doing in your endpoint. So you, you need to understand that. So your test should be fulfilled with, with the data to trespass the full, the full tree, like from top to the, to the very bottom. And this might be tricky because sometimes, especially if we are talking, for example, about GraphQL API, you need to pre-create a lot of information to make sure that there is no N plus one. Right. Now I'm going to be, I'm going to admit to being a bit lazy. I usually don't go looking for N plus one queries until I have a benchmark on something that says this is taking way too long to load. Right. I probably should proactively put bullet or something in and see what it catches and fix those as I go. But most of the time I'll, I'll put in new relic or ray gun or something like that. Ray guns sponsor on some of the shows, by the way. But, you know, I'll put it in, I'll let them run their their performance thing, right? And then probably once every month or two, if it's an app that I maintain for myself, I'll go and I'll look and I'll see, okay, what are the slowest things that are getting hit here? And then I'll go in and I'll clean them up and try and get everything to be under, you know, 200 or 500 milliseconds, depending on, you know, how many of them there are and what the problems are. Yeah, I, I think that most people do the same because we are working with the, with the great language, uh, at least in my opinion. And we, this language, um, encourages us to be like agile to develop quickly, develop new features quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that this is also an option to rather spending your time on building something, which is the, the final and uh, the most quality solution. But, but what you do, you basically give it away as soon as possible and then you improve it along the way. But gladly, there are some tools. Uh, that you may use to stop worry about uh, some of the simplest N plus one cases. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying, I'm talking about is with uh, active record, for example, you need to remember that you put uh, required includes on your query to know that there will be no N plus one on, uh, on simple associations, right? So if you want to avoid that to remembering that, that what includes you already have and what you are missing right now you can use tools such as ar lazy preload or and and that one i just quoted recently goldie loader those are the same tools that actually what what they do is is um, they they keep the context for the loaded record of all the siblings when that record was loaded and when you will try to load the association on this record, it will actually preload the same association for all the siblings. And what's mm-hmm. great about that, it will do this lazily. So, so ju- just think about it. Uh, yeah. So imagine that you don't need to, to put includes anymore, right? And w- which, which for me, at least, feels natural, right? Or why would you even, even remember about this? If you just want to proceed like for, with your data, you, you want to, for, for every user, you want to relay, reload their posts. So mm-hmm. why would you say that I want user includes posts? Uh, I just want my posts and active record can do the rest. And these gems, they, they are exactly for this. You don't need to worry about includes anymore. And they will do this lazily, which active record by default does not. And this is another issue, by the way. So yeah, I encourage everyone to try it out and see how well it works. Yeah, I'll definitely have to try it out. Are there any other tricks? I mean, yeah, I like the the kind of lazy load. Don't worry so much about this kind of thing. Are there other tips that you have that that I can use to 
short circuit some of this stuff? Yeah. So if we want to, I can uh, introduce the the jam that I just involved mm -hmm. and one loader. So if you would look at what we have now in uh, Active Record ecosystem, is that you have those associations that some people not like very much, and I can understand that because they they bound different uh, domains, different contexts, uh, and you you have this dependency, user on posts and etc. Sometimes you just don't want to uh, to have it. But mm -hmm. in in my opinion, like this is active record way of doing things, and you just accept it or switch to another ORM or even another another database, non relational, for example. And if you keep having this mindset that okay, I'm fine to have as many associations as I want, and with the benefits of the AR lazy preload or Goldie loader, you might say that. Okay, I, I don't need to worry about 10 plus 1. Basically, any 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 moment, right? If I want to have the posts which were like having certain score, like the most scored posts, I can ha have another association scored posts with a default scope on it. And then I'll again have no N plus 1 of this. But sometimes there are still cases when it's just not enough to, when Active Record does not provide a way for you to create association that you can preload. For example, uh, right now, there is no way to preload um, associations with, with arguments. You basically uh, cannot and it, uh, it will fail. I mean, that, that's understandable if, because Active Record cannot pass all the, all this, uh, uh, stuff that you are passing to it to, to every object you want to preload to, to do those queries. For example, what if you want to preload posts that were created from a certain point of time? You can mm -hmm. initialize the association that accepts an argument and, and pass this argument actually to, to the where scope. But unfortunately, you won't be able to say, okay, I want user includes posts under a certain period of time. It will just fail and say that argumentable associations cannot be preloaded. Mm -hmm. This is one of the case. Another case could be that Imagine you, you have a third party service, such as, I don't know, your billing service, and you want to load payments for your users. Mm -hmm. So w one way you can do that is to have some, some certain middleware, some service that accepts a list of users and you do requests for every user or whatever. And another, which I, which you, you might consider is to do all, uh, it, all at once with batching, if your service support batching, of course. And, and yeah, and right now, Active Record doesn't have a way to create such kind of associations, right? Basically, all the associations, they are table related. They, they have more features on it, like you can use joins, etc. But sometimes uh, you want to, to have, to have simple, just, just as simple right. as that. For example, if, if you want to load posts number, so ju just number how many posts the user have. You cannot create association for that. And you don't want to load all the posts to, to know the number, how many posts you right. have. Yeah, what, what you want, what you can have, of course, you can use counter cache or counter, for, or from counter culture, the jam, this, this feature. But this is just another solution for the same issue. Right. And maybe you, you also want to avoid that. So for those cases, the N1 loader was invented when it's just not enough for you to create a cessation that you want to preload efficiently without N plus one. And it works perfectly. Uh, 
we are already using this in production. And as it says, so far, so good. I have a uh, question about the DSL for N1 loader. Uh, oh, it's got sure. some interesting stuff going on there. It looks like it works by defining a method on the active record class, the kind of class you're using, like user, correct? Yeah, yeah, for example. It, it actually supports anything. Like you can you can inject it to active record and it has some nice features with that, such as supporting includes, but you can also use it to with Poro, simple Ruby classes, right? Right. So this kind of cute thing where it goes argument from argument to an example to define the arguments. Do you know, I, I haven't seen that before. Uh, was that inspired by something else? I would say that the whole jam and everything it supports right now was inspired by some of the challenges that we had. And the, the, that is one of those, is that when we want to have su- such kind of association that we want to preload efficiently and also s- uh, send some arguments to that. So, for example, as I said, we are using GraphQL API uh, we are having it. And for our case, it was like some day association with, for example, payments. And we want to have payments with the, within the certain period of time. And for that, uh, the, the, the client front end sends those arguments to the server from and to. And we just, we just simply bypass it to when one order association and it returns it perfectly without n plus one. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So this is something I often run into. Uh, one of the nice things in your ex- in the way in one load of works is because it defines these methods on the user class, then you can use it to tidy up your views. And instead of having kind of long, complex queries in the view, you instead have a kind of tight, optimized query that's predefined on the model. I use that a lot. I really like doing that. Is that kind of part of a general push at TopTel to kind of take this kind of complex queries out of the views? Yeah, exactly. So this is a good point. So as I I was explaining uh, before, with active record way of uh, doing this association coupling, if we keep this in mind that this is okay to do, why would, for some of the cases, we invent like view models or whatever to efficiently preload our data for the views or for, for any kind of API, when we actually can have those associations within our active record models so that we can use it in any place we want. We can use them in background jobs. We can use them uh, in views. We can use them in APIs. 
and we don't need to to keep all these uh, third party classes to provide this data uh, efficiently. I, I much prefer this this approach to adding an additional class. I must admit, I much much prefer kind of putting more stuff into the model. You mentioned GraphQL and the need to optimize dynamic queries. So with GraphQL, I suppose you don't know you don't know what queries are coming in, right? So was this what kind of drove your development of the N1 loader gem? Yep. I'm somewhat torn between the approach in the examples for M1 loader where it you basically build your own optimized query, right? So you kind of got 10, 12 lines of code, really make it really slick. And then on the other hand, you've got the AR lazy preload, which kind of take care of it all for you. So when when is that kind of handoff point when do you start saying, do you know what, a lazy load is not enough. We need to go in, we need to make our own optimized kind of uh, method on the user class. Sorry, are you comparing the loaders that uh, GraphQL encouraged to use with N1 loader? Am I, am I right? Yes. Yeah, so basically what what I don't personally dislike, with what I don't, I don't like about... GraphQL loaders is that they are using promises under the hood and promises are hard to debug. And so, yeah, and they, they are just heavier that, uh, that what you need. So you simply need your data. You, you don't want to have this overhead. And also for the GraphQL loaders, uh, you can't use them in your background job, for example. Uh, you can use that, right? But that would be weird that your GraphQL API like logic functionality leaked to, to the background jobs. So if you want to avoid oh, that, right. yeah. And you, if you want to avoid that and at the same time have a benefit of loading everything efficiently, default active record associations plus AR lazy preload plus N1 loader for specific cases solves everything for, for good. So is this something that you're using in your apps, this uh, N1 loader gem? Yeah, yeah, we do. And what kind of a difference is it making for you? I mean, do you have like before and after performance or other metrics that you use to evaluate how effective it is? We did not compare the speed yet, which uh, which sounds weird, right? But at the same time, we we are completely sure that we don't have any N plus ones. I also think that the performance is actually better now because because we don't have this overhead with promises and etc it's a simple method but what i can say for you for sure is that the the satisfaction and overall experience of engineers working with such simple n1 loader loaders uh, is better than than working with graphql loaders cool so what what's coming next with this is this kind of a finished project for you and you wrote the gem right yeah yeah i did did. so is it done or you're just going to upgrade it when rails upgrades or what's what's the plan going forward with this gem i don't have any plans right now of course we uh i will do my best to support all the upcoming uh, uh, active record versions i also have plan to add integration with goldie loader i did not Mm -hmm. yet do it and yeah, I think that the gem can um, expand its functionality on demand. So far, I think it does a lot of stuff and I don't see anything that is needed right now. But any request is always welcome. Makes sense. Luke, do you have any other questions? I think I've pretty much exhausted what I wanted to know. There is a method 
it's used in the N1 loader gem called Fulfill, which is in the, I think, the second example. And I've had a look through the source code to see what it's doing. But I just wondered what the thinking was behind the Fulfill method. Yeah, so the, the Fulfill method is a simple API to mark the data as loaded as well as assign this data to a certain object. So before that, the, the one of the first versions of the gem, it was uh, some the method was expecting to return some certain structure like hash, where the keys, where the object IDs or whatever, some object identifiers and values were the data that you want to assign to. But then this structure was wasn't that easy to maintain, easy to, to have. And uh, I just uh, extracted this assignment logic to its own method. So now it's it's um, it's simpler, basically like that. And if you, what, what another benefit is, if you, if you just forget to use fulfill or you don't provide the data for all of the objects, for example, you fulfill with, uh, with run condition or whatever, then the loader will raise an, an error for you so so you don't have any any real issues in production you will know this you will know that uh, you miss some data proactively i'm a big fan of alternative database stacks for ruby i started off on data mapper back in the day moved to rom and i'm currently rewriting my stuff using uh, the sql gem have you looked at any of those kind of alternatives to Active Record? Yeah, I, I had some experience in the past with the SQL. I think that the Jam can be can have some integration with with those ORMs. I didn't look yet if it's actually needed for those. Maybe they have actually a better functionality or different mindset than Active Record. So maybe it's not really needed, but if there is a place for N1 order for such, uh, for such frameworks, yeah, I, I'm up to, to have it. It's very much different mindset. Um, I might be speaking out of turn here, but uh, the vibe I get from the SQL users is it's kind of edging towards that PHP, writing your own handcrafted queries kind of thing. And a nice thing about the N1 loader is, you know, instead of doing that, Instead of kind of getting into the weeds with the SQL, then you can just drop in an optimized query where you need it. So I really like that. Yeah, sounds cool. Can we talk about Reddit? Sure. I hate Reddit. I can't stand Reddit. I'm anti-Reddit. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Reddit is a useful resource. There's no question about it. I always go, whenever I go there for the, the Reddit Ruby and the, uh, the Rails Reddit, I always pick up interesting stuff, and I was I was interested to see that you posted a kind of really good intro to the gems on Reddit. Um, how do you feel about Reddit? I mean, I don't personally check the the articles here. Unfortunately, I I don't have uh, much free time to to do so. But I kind of feel that Reddit is a good place to spread the word about what you have done for the for the open source. So that's that's what I did, uh, and uh, what I really liked about it that people on Reddit uh, shared some good and honest feedback about my articles and about the gem itself. That helped me to improve it and to improve the the second and third articles about the gem. So the, because initially people were very confused what the gem does, why we need it, 
how it's different from the bullet or from anything else. So that's helped me to understand how bad my, my initial article was about N1 Logger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know people like Peter Solnaker has started doing some YouTube series on Rails bits and pieces and kind of moving into this format. And I, I do find it easier, you know, if I, if I really want to go through something, I think YouTube screen share is a great resource for digging into stuff. Have you considered doing YouTube videos about your open source work? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Uh, I don't know. I, I have not yet. I'm also not sure how the format would look like. Should I be like with my uh, face on? Yeah, but but maybe someday, right? You, you never know. Yeah, I will. I started out kind of doing that. Don't sweat that. Just, just put it out. I'm currently trying to work out, Chuck, how to do a Ruby TikTok. I mean, I haven't, I haven't, it's a real challenge. <laughs> what do you yeah, mean? I mean? You're trying to show code or you're just it, trying to? Yeah, the format's so short, you know, it's absolutely tight to, to get stuff across. I don't know if anyone's doing it yet, but uh, I can't stop thinking about it. We should talk because I'm working on that right now too, but off the show, or maybe we should have the conversation on the show. I don't know. I have a feeling I need to point at floating words above my, my left shoulder and pull a funny face and then then do a dance. I think that's how TikTok works. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Anyway, it sounds like we've kind of devolved to the point where we ought to do some picks. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance. I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. So lately, things have just been a little bit crazy up in the air. I was at PodFest this weekend, and so I'm going to pick that PodFest. Of course, it's a little late now because it's over, but podcasting conference, it was in Orlando at the Orlando Hilton. It was awesome. Really enjoyed it. So yeah, I'm going to shout out about that because there were some terrific talks, met some great people. Had a really, really good time. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick that for board games. I should have started with board games, but I didn't. So board games, the game we've been playing lately is legendary and I've picked that in the past. So I'm just going to pick one of the legendary expansions and then talk about why I like that. And when I bring up the expansions, I just want to also make sure that people understand they kind of print them when they print them. So sometimes they're a little bit hard to get the ones that you want, right? So, you know, you have to kind of check back periodically on Amazon to see if they have it. Some of them, they're really good about keeping in stock that or they're not good at selling them, I guess. And some of them they just don't have. So anyway, I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, one of my favorite expansions is the Guardians of the Galaxy expansion, which is funny because of all the Marvel movies, Guardians of the Galaxy aren't my favorite. I mean, I enjoyed them, but yeah, not not my absolute top not top end favorite movies. But the Guardians of the Galaxy legendary expansion is is super duper fun. And some of the power ups that you get off of some of the heroes 
are really nice. The other thing I like about it is that some of the characters stack together really well. And so it makes that a lot more fun, too. I've got to pull up the Board Game Geek so I can tell you the weight. The weight is 2.46. I can't remember what it is for Legendary, but I think it's about that. Some of the expansions are a little bit more complicated. They're going to get up around three, but this one's not. So anyway, I'm going to pick it. Super fun. Super, super fun. And it looks like it's selling for about $26 on Amazon. So yeah, there you go. And then other picks. So one other pick that I have. So I'm running for a school board here in Utah, uh, not state school board, just the local school board. And one of the things that I I did was I ordered a whole bunch of flyers and I ordered them off of Vistaprint and it turned out to not be terribly expensive. So I'm going to pick Vistaprint for that option. And then the other thing I'm doing in the parade is I'm actually handing out popsicles like Otter Pops. Um, I realize that neither of you are in the U.S. So you may not even have Otter Pops where you're at. I don't know. I don't know if they sell them internationally or not. But they're the they're the popsicles they in a plastic. Know. They're the popsicles in a plastic sleeve that you cut the top off and then push the popsicle up. And so anyway, I, I went down California. to yeah. So anyway, you can look them up. They're they're super cheap. And yeah, we're going to be handing those out during the parade because the parade's going to be in the later morning on a Saturday in June. So it's going to be warm. And so, yeah, we're going to be doing that. I also found out at a meet and greet last night that one of the other school board members, she's she's running right now, but nobody's running against her. She actually does the same thing every year. So somehow we came up with the same idea. But yeah, going to definitely be be doing that work. So Anyway, I got them at Winco and I got a killer deal on them. So I'm going to pick Winco as well. Winco's a grocery store chain and they tend to have pretty good deals on a lot of the stuff they sell. So anyway, those are my picks and enough of those. Luke, did you find your pick? I did. So I'm doing a lot of, I'm doing a lot of Postgres at the moment. And I noticed on the Ruby Weekly, there's a Postgres copy gem that just came out. I've, I've been working on this project. It's been a total nightmare. And we've got international payment gateways, and it's got lots of money flying around. And oh my word, the the amount of Postgres I've had to do. We had to change servers. I don't know if you've ever done that, Chuck. But you know, you've got the kind of midnight buying midnight tonight service server redeploy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you live in a world where everything's Dockerized and stuff. But us dinosaurs, you know, have are still in there clicking on DNS records. So any extra Postgres support in Ruby is fantastic. My second pick, which is not a technical pick, is The Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix, uh, which is kind of a, a cathartic pick because of the amount of time I spent with real lawyers this week. So <laughs> it's a bit of a busman's holiday, but a welcome escape from the real lawyers. Cool. This is an old movie, right? With uh, McConaughey, my right? It was. It was, and now Netflix have created a series based on the idea. Oh, I see that. Okay, awesome. I think that during the Valmol trial of uh, Dapp versus Hurt, right, the lawyers are on kind of hype right now. Right, that's, that's probably it. I mean, I wasn't going to talk about the uh, the Johnny Depp trial because I don't know if the verdict's come out yet. But It has. It's, it's one of those, it's actually... It's actually become one of my programming background noises. I know most people listen to music when they code, but I tend to have a kind of like a YouTube playlist of people chuntering on while I code. And it's been a lot of development that's been done to the sound of the judge in the herd debt case. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. I could, I can't, I could care less. 
what happens in the hurt death case. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep hearing snatches about how awful she is and, well, he's no saint either and whatever. Let me tell you how much that really affects my life. The verdict came out and apparently they they awarded Johnny Depp 15 million but they also found that he had defamed her and awarded her two million. So I guess their checks will cross in the mail. That's um, nice. It's something for everyone. Yeah, yeah. So you know, Amber Heard came out and put out how disappointed she was, and he put out how he wanted to get his story out, and that's all I've really know about it. Other than that, that I guess they were jerks to each other. So yeah, but interesting. All right. And finally, we have our guest, whose name I still am going to not try and destroy. I'm sorry. <laughs> You can, you can. I'm pretty sure you'll be good at it. It's Yevgeny. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, nice. I just have to write down, you know, my way of spelling it, I guess. But anyway, go ahead, Yevgeny. Yes. Some people try to say it like Evgeny, but it's it's a transliteration of my, my real name. So it's more like Yevgeny. Mm. Yes. So I wanted to, to say that how, how happy I am working at Toptel. And I want to invite you to join me on this uh, journey to make our greatest talent and company in the world to be even greater. Uh, we, we have a lot of space and we want all of the stars of Ruby World to join us. We already have some, like Bajidar Batsev, uh, the owner of Rubacop, and many more. Yeah, and uh, for the second uh, pick, I wanted to share that for those who didn't try it yet, the Telltale's games, such as the Volcomong Us or the Volcan Dead series, I yes. truly encourage you yes, to yes, try yes. it because those are amazing, especially the first episode of the, the Volcan Dead. It's very dramatic and exciting but i actually played all of those even batman series and etc uh, it's really nice you you don't need to to do all this hard action stuff you just watch a great tv being part of it a little bit and yeah just enjoying the show i don't cool. want to i don't want to besmirch telltale games there but evidently do you ever look at like these games and think man this is so easy to code I wish I was coding this stuff because it's just so straightforward. Like the content is content's the hard bit, right? But the scripting is like, ah, oh, oh, it's such a gift. Yeah, my son wants to be a video game programmer, so we'll see. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up. One question, Yevgeny, before you take off, where do people find you online? Are you on Twitter, or GitHub, or Instagram? Maybe you're doing TikTok videos like Luke wants to. No, I don't do any TikTok, even for personal life. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm only, I think I'm on LinkedIn and GitHub profile, and I have email. I'm not that social media, at least yet, but I think I'll get to this point someday. All right, cool. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up then. And if you give us those links, we will put them in the show notes. And yeah, until next time, folks, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.